you would go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn to Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. You know, last week I walked you through, and I just want to bring us again through this pattern of what we have in, in this first chapter of Mark. At the beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, begins with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. At the very beginning, Mark declares who Jesus is, the Son of God. Next, if you remember last week, we talked about as if that wasn't enough, if Mark's testimony wasn't enough, we have a testimony from Isaiah, an Old Testament scripture that has been brought forward. And then if you scan a little bit further down, all the way down to verse 4, we have John the Baptist who's proclaiming Jesus as the one who is coming after he And after we have John the Baptist proclaiming him, if you look down in in verse 9, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. In verse 12, we have Jesus then being cast out into the wilderness, tempted by Satan for his 40 days out there. And then we have in verse 14, John the Baptist has been arrested. In verse 16, we have the calling of four disciples. And then... If you jump all the way down to verse 21, we have last week's text where Jesus is in the synagogue in Capernaum preaching. So far, that's chapter 1. Now, this morning, we're at verse 29 of chapter 1. There's a whole lot in Mark's gospel. In a very short amount of time, an incredible amount of things has happened. Jesus, just to recap a little bit of last week, Jesus was in Capernaum in the synagogue teaching, and he was teaching with what? Authority. Oh, you're so good. Good. At least if you don't remember the sermon, you remember that word. Um, he taught with great authority, and, and that was the bracket of that text, that, that Jesus was teaching with authority, and, and there was, a, there was a, a person there who had a demon. And just by the very authority and presence of Jesus Christ, that, that demon was, was called out, was recognized. Um, a man, maybe, or a person who had no idea even that they had a demon, but being in the presence of Jesus, Jesus, our demons come forward anyway, and because we are in the presence of Jesus, those those demons are cast out. Jesus is teaching with authority. He's in Capernaum. He's in the synagogue. What does that tell you? Capernaum, synagogue. There's a J word that goes with that, not Jesus. I know it's a sermon question. Jews, okay. He's with the Jewish people. This morning, though, he's not. He has now left the synagogue. The light has come up. The Sabbath is over. And Jesus is now headed to Galilee, the non-Jewish place. It's been a long couple weeks here. We're still in chapter 1. Jesus is absolutely exhausted. It's now morning. I don't know how you begin your morning, but I know how I begin mine. How many of you begin your morning with coffee? How many of you, it's best people stay away from you till you've had your coffee? How many cups of coffee must you have to get going in your day? Two? Huh? Half or a quarter? You're not a true Lutheran. Ruth is Methodist by background. What's up with that? (laughs) 
a pot, a pot. There's a good Lutheran pastor right there. He's learned. All right, two cappuccinos for me. I'm going for the strong stuff, the lattes. I want the foo-foo stuff, a triple espresso. They call it a JFK, a triple shot. Sorry, it's what it's called. <laughs> That's me. Two of those in my days ready to go. And I'm, uh, I'm shaking and I'm, I'm running at the beat. And Betty knows it when I walked in the door. All Jesus is looking for this morning, I swear, I'm with the man. He needs a cup of coffee. He needs a break. Things have been piling up. He's been healing. He's been casting out demons. He's been teaching everywhere he goes. He's been in Capernaum. Now he's going to Galilee. He's called four disciples. They haven't even had a minute yet to, to sit down. And, and, and he's been teaching in the synagogue, casting out the demons there all last week. Now at sunrise, he goes to Simon's mother-in-law's home. My guess is a cup of coffee would be wonderful. Breakfast would be phenomenal. And he gets to the house, and the mother-in-law is sick. She's in bed with a fever, okay? So she's quite ill. And so Jesus does what? What does he do with the mother-in-law? He heals her. Now, you've heard me preach on this because you've heard me talk about what's up with the woman. What does she do? She gets up and she serves him. Okay. Obviously, I have issues with this. <laughs> she gets up and she serves a man as soon as she's better. But, but on the other side of that, that's part of what happens. When Jesus heals us, that's what we want to do is we want to serve Jesus. Do you know that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus does not initiate a single healing. He does not initiate a single one. He doesn't look at a person and say, boy, Pershing's sick, and he walks over to Pershing and heals him. That's not how it works in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, all those who are sick or their friends, or their family, bring them to Jesus. And when Jesus sees them and sees them sick, he is moved by them. He is moved in a relationship with them, and he heals them. He's with Simon in his mother-in-law's home, and she is ill. And he heals her, and she gets up. And she serves him. The first lesson for a Christian, one who serves Christ, is there is a whole lot of work to be done. And no time is needing to be wasted, so get off your butt and serve the man. The next lesson we have in this morning's gospel, we have three lessons in this gospel. We have the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. And then what do we have? What's the next chunk? What's going on in our next chunk? He's casting out demons. He's doing more than that, but that's a big piece of it. What else is going on in that text? Who's coming to him? The whole city. Absolutely everybody. The whole city. They're bringing those who are sick and those who have demons. And what is Jesus doing? He's healing them. And he's casting out demons. And he's doing it left and right. The work is piling up. No matter where this poor man turns, there are people that need to be healed and there are demons that need to be cast out. He cannot find his cup of coffee. Everybody keeps coming to him. Now, the demons know who Jesus is, but does Jesus let them speak? No. The reason being 
is Jesus will not tolerate anyone taking his mission on the wrong path. If you are a Christian, number one rule is there is plenty of work to be done. Get off your butt and do it. The number two rule is stay on the mission of Jesus Christ and do not be distracted by the devil. The third story this morning. What's the third story that we have before us this morning? Jesus is absolutely exhausted. He gets up in the morning. It's now light time, so it's been about 24 hours if we want to be literal. What is Jesus doing? He's praying. Where has he gone? Some deserted place, someplace away from it all, so he can pray. Okay. If you are a Christian, first of all, there's a lot of work to do. Get off your butt and do the work. Second of all, don't let anyone distract you from the mission of Jesus Christ, Last of all, the devil. Third, you better find some time to pray. And Jesus goes off to a deserted place and he goes off there to pray. But what happens to him while he's there? Oh, they find him. They always find him. They'll always find you. Those disciples that have had very little time with Jesus, find him. And and basically, what is the word that's used in our gospel? I love the word. We've been hunting, hunting. We have been hunting for you. Um, We have been searching. We have been hunting for you. We have been looking for you. And, and, And it's as if they're walking up to him. Jesus has found this deserted place. He is praying. And, and the disciples go running up to him and say, what are you doing? What's with this praying? There's people to be tended to. There's a lot of work to be done. Get off your butt. Don't be distracted from the mission of Jesus Christ. And you better find lots of time to pray. Because you're going to need it. When I was a little girl, true story, my, my dad and my grandfather would go hunting. They were lousy at it. I truly, honest to God, saw my dad hit the broadside of a barn. He really did. The farmer came out, was quite upset about the fact that he had just riddled his barn with shotgun shells. Um, but that's as close as he got. My role was to go, and I didn't like hunting. But I liked being with my dad and my grandfather, so I would go and walk along. And, and my job was the dog. I got to go run ahead and jump on the brush piles to scare something out. And often, uh, I would meander my way there because, truth be known, I never wanted anything to be scared out. And I didn't want to be the one that scared it out, that I would be the one responsible for the death of the little bunny foo-foo or the pheasant that would fly out of there. And, And so I would often not do exactly what I was supposed to do. But I remember this one Saturday morning. It was a beautiful Saturday, fresh snow all over the ground. Dad and grandfather were just thrilled because they would be able to see the rabbit tracks or the pheasant tracks, and it was a good day to go hunting. And we're out there, and and Grandpa says, Lisa, Lisa, go over there and jump on that, that brush pile over there. Well, it was a beautiful snow, and I was stalling. And so I took my path to the brush pile, kind of back and around and in circles and kind of meandering. And finally, Grandpa said, go jump on the brush pile. And I finally get there and I do a little hopping on the brush pile. But at the same time, Grandpa makes a straight line to the brush pile. 
And he's standing on the top of this brush pile with me, and he says, Lisa, turn around and look. He says, look at how straight and clear my tracks are. And I looked at Grandpa's tracks, and I tugged on his overcoat and his orange vest, and I said, Grandpa, look how beautiful and artistic mine are. And he said, okay. <laughs> and on that day, I had vowed that I was never going to take a straight path to anything. That I was going to find the time to, to dance and, and to meander and find the beauty in God's earth and God's creation. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus does not initiate a single healing. He is moved by the people he's with. He's on the process of a journey together with his own people. And on that journey in the celebration of life together, he is moved by them. And he heals them. The man just wanted a cup of coffee. I think about my days as a pastor of coming into the office with my latte in hand with a whole agenda of things that I think I'm going to accomplish on any given day. And I often drive home wondering how much more was still on that list for tomorrow. But it was a day of interruptions, person after person after person walking into the office. And then I smile because I realize that the interruptions were the ministry. That in sitting down and having that cup of coffee with whoever popped in on any given day, a word of hope was shared. God's grace was offered. Repentance was granted. Healing was gifted. The surprising thing for me every day is that while I think I'm the one offering those things, more often than not, I'm the one who receives them. It all starts with a quest for coffee. We come here on a Sunday morning thinking we're going to worship God, and that we do, and we do it beautifully. But do not underestimate the power of that cup of coffee that follows our worship. There is a lot of work to do. Do not be distracted from the ministry of Jesus Christ and find time to pray, especially with someone else over that cup of coffee. Amen.